Hello and welcome to Society Owes Me a Gen X podcast, that one where Lily and Hannah go A to X through grunge, indie, alt-rock, pop, movie, soundtracks, TV and general generation Catalano goodness. Hello Lily, how are you doing? Hiya. I'm fine, thanks. How are you? Very good. Very good. I'm pretty excited about tonight. How are you? Because <laughs> mm, it's M4. Tell us Lily, what are you doing? Mm-mm-mm. Well Hannah, I'm doing M is for... Metal Hammer's top 20 metal tracks of the 90s. Oh, yeah! surprise! I thought you were doing Metallica. Oh, you know. dark horse, you. Ah. Metal Hammer, wow. Ah. Yeah, well, I'm jumping out at you this one because, A, didn't feel like you were too excited to hear about the Black Album. I love a bit of Metallica. <laughs> you do now, after you've been listening to it all week. And, um, but when I decided to shift gears on this, I thought, because it's a top 20, if I tell you, then you're going to go and look. It's more fun this way. You don't know what's coming up. Ooh. And I would also like to say that neither one of us is known for our, I don't know, grand scale knowledge on the metal world. We couldn't be called metalheads, I don't feel like. No. So it's going to be an education and it's going to be like metal for neophytes. You know, It's, it's metal 101 and for all of you... You know, hardcore metalheads who know all this stuff, you, you know, should be fairly, fairly amused at, at the lack of info that we have. So hopefully I'm going to really surprise you about all of this. And, uh, and as Patty Hearst says in Crybaby, let's all put on a folk hat and learn something about a foreign culture. Woo! I'm going to try and us. <laughs> I'm going to try to not snigger Beavis and Butthead style You go uh, all the way through it because I've just been watching it. My, my husband introduced the kids to it this evening because he read that um, they're rebooting Beavis and Butthead and the kids should be uh, initiated. But yeah, we've told them that it's something they can't turn on the telly on their own in the morning. They have to be accompanied by an adult. This is so coming back to bite you on the ass, but hey, <laughs> we all have we all have those moments. Wasn't my idea. Okay, so we are going to start. Get ready, Hannah. Get Oof. your spiked gonna strap in. leather accessories and um, <laughs> and your black lipstick and lots of eyeliner. Did Metalis yeah. wear black lipstick? Sure. Really? Ones I knew did. Occasionally. The goth yeah. Metalis then. Did they forget like Marilyn Manson? You know, he was, he was the 90s. Anyway, let's not, okay. let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's start at... Number 20. Now, a quick disclaimer before I, I do this is that there are some that we have already covered in different pods, so we will reference those. We're not going to get into it. Um, you'll be quite surprised at some of the ones that we've already covered, actually. And um, so it's not 20 whole tracks. It's definitely stuff we've really not played before. So here we go. Number 20. I'm going to pop it on and we'll see if you recognize it. <laughs> oh, it's quite electro already. Yes, which should give you a clue. Mm. Hmm. <laughs> Is it's it craft work? <laughs> You're close. You're in Ooh, the right. Is it Ein, Ein's, Einstorm's <laughs> I do know you button? Is it the, the pneumatic drill people? It's sadly not. Oh. Einstorm's and Neubarten. Oh. It is. Rammstein. Oh, Rammstein. Oh, I was close. I was close. Are they Is German? it Rammstein? Rammstein. Stein. 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 Probably Stein. Rammstein. <laughs> this one's called Duhast. Uh, let me give you some info Duhast on Vast. Rammstein. Uh, they were formed in 94 in Berlin, Germany. Ops. Um, they are classed as industrial metal. Uh, in a wave in German called Neue Deutsche Härte. 
the band's first album, <coughs> Herzleid, which is German for heartbreak, <laughs> was tricky to record because of disagreement between the band and their producer Jakob Hellner in Stockholm, mainly because the band and the producer didn't share a common language. So, um, quite like it now, actually. It made communicating very, very difficult and they were falling out a lot. Uh, eventually, it was sold by the Dutch engineer Ronald Prent, who served as the middleman and the translator. And then the band would uh, meet outside um, for what became known as the German Conference. And then they would um, they would last between ten minutes and two hours until all six <laughs> band members. <laughs> Sorry, this is really distracting. Reached an agreement. At least let me get to the end of my <laughs> sentence. All right. You're gonna have to pause it. I can't focus. Don't worry, I'm pretty much done. It's a bit ABBA now. <laughs> I can't turn oh it God. off. Never get through if you keep turning off the heavy metal. Go on. Right, fine. All right, Du Hast comes from the second album, Sehnsucht, which is German for Desire, in August 97. It is the only German language album to be certified platinum in the US, so who knew mm -hmm. that uh, Ramstein were such a huge band in the States? Um, and in 2020, it was also in Metal Hammer's top 10 1997 albums. So Metal Hammer, obviously, I'm sure you remember it from um, from the Back news the agents. Day, yeah, yeah. Uh, it wasn't one I picked up personally. Kerrang was as heavy as it got, got for me. <laughs> Jinx! <laughs> Even then, I felt pretty rock and roll buying Kerrang <laughs> back when I was like 15. Like, yeah, that's right. That's right, bitch. <laughs> I only bought it Pearl Jam was on the cover or Chili Peppers or Rage, but you know. Uh, so the cover art for the album Sehnsucht was produced by Irish-Austrian uh, artist Gottfried Helmbein, who uh, revealed six different covers, each depicting a Ramstein, Ramstein member. Uh, the most common cover is of Till Lindemann, wearing a surgical metal wire utensil, worn as a muzzle, and surgical forks over his eyes. Oh, have you got so a picture? Can, if you can see uh, that. bring that up in your, in your What's mind. What's his name, Till what? Um, you could just put in uh, Sehnsucht... S-E-H-N-S-U-C-H-T and, uh, and, and Ramstein's second album cover should pop up. Uh, Lindemann's being the most common. Oh, 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 gosh. Right? Nice. That's definitely going on the Insta. Um, it's kind of, they look a bit like a cross between Queen and uh, Radiohead, actually, in that one. It's interesting. The middle one. Yeah, like Tom I, know, York, I do yeah. know what you mean. Um, oh, and Michael Stipe. It's like Tom York, Michael Stipe. Uh, the, the, who's his, uh, Ronan Keating. Yeah. Well, he's very famous, this artist, because let me tell you, he owns two castles. And uh, you don't own two castles just uh, from selling a couple of um, pickies. But uh, he's known for uh, depicting abused children and Nazi rule imagery, as well as um, the horror of the Holocaust. Hmm. So unsurprisingly considered controversial and taboo. Uh, would you like, on the other hand, to have a fun fact about uh, yes, Helmbeis? Uh, he was Marilyn Manson's best man at his wedding to Dieter von Tees, which was held at his castle in Waterford, which is why he is an Irish citizen. He bought a castle and then I guess he got citizenship. So. But that was a fun party. Can you imagine the crack there? Would have been, yeah. Uh, the crack, the cracking <laughs> skulls, for sure. Um, all right. But you, can, you, you can play it. I was getting quite into that. That's your... Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's going a bit like rah rah rasputin. <laughs> oh, there goes the telephone. Nod to Crawford. All right. Well, listen, we've got a lot to get through, so I've got to move on to 19. But don't worry, 
You're gonna love this. Ooh. This is Painkiller by Judas Priest. And, <laughs> you know, I've got massive new respect for um, metal drummers. Apparently this is well known, my husband tells me. I didn't really ever give it much thought, but he was What's like, yeah, the drum bit. They are some of the most talented oh, musicians metal the drummers, right. they hit the crap out of those things and they have to do it super duper fast. So apparently awesome. this translates as... You know what brought this, this brought to my, I never heard this song before in my life. Jack Black. I'm not sure I need to listen you know, to it Jack Black again either. Doing, yeah, yeah, can you know, it's cool the rock. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So I'm, I, I, I get it now. Yeah. I get Jack Black's whole thing. It makes sense. It's clearly Judas Priest. Um, anyway, Priest are from Brum. Did you know that? Yes, they are. Uh, yeah, from yeah. Birmingham to the non Brits. Uh, they date back to 1969. Oh, wow. I didn't realize it was that old. Yeah. Explains a fair bit, I, I feel like, you know. Um, band didn't find commercial success until 1980 when the album British Steel came out. So, uh, Painkiller's taken from the album of the same name that came out in 1990. The band had dropped the 80s synth at this point, <laughs> <laughs> which I, I think I need to check out at some point. And uh, they picked up a new drummer uh, in Scott Travis. Do you want me to pause this? Is it too distracting for you? <laughs> no, it's like we're good. All right. Um, Ooh, telephone there again. So 1990 is the same year that Judas Priest uh, were taken to court in the States over two suicides in Sparks, Nevada. Do you remember any of this? No. So apparently uh, two young men who had been uh, drinking and smoking weed uh, took a 12-gauge shotgun to a church playground. A nice touch of theirs, I, I feel. And shot themselves in the face. Mm. Um, apparently, allegedly, uh, their parents said they'd been playing the 1978 album Stained Class that night. Um, so the parents sued the band, claiming a subliminal message had been embedded in the track Better By You. Yes, okay, uh, yeah, I do, yeah, yeah, it's coming back. And, uh, and I, I, put, I put, a, put a bit on it, actually. What, is this a subliminal message? Yeah, I was like, actually, I like this. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, this I can't hear—I can't hear shoot yourself in the face. Yeah, I mean, this—this this is much more my jam. Forget painkiller. I'm getting behind better by you, better than me. Yeah, this is right. Uh, problem number one with parents' theory is if an album makes you shoot yourself in the face, um, does it mean it's life-threatening crap? <laughs> uh, problem two: uh, the song was a cover of a 1969 spooky tooth track, so hard to kind of argue that they'd embedded something evil in it but um but anyway yeah, the judge concluded right. that the message was actually a convergence of a guitar chord with an exhalation pattern that's ridiculous so to a layman breathing <laughs> and i didn't even know which bit it was but i did enjoy the track thanks judas or is it priest i don't know what's next Done with this? Okay. You. But this wasn't in the top 20, or, or was it? Huh? This track wasn't in the top 20. No, this was just the one, one right, that okay. they um, they got accused of. Oh, this is. Oh, I thought you meant the previous one was sublim. This is the sublim. No, yeah, that's track. the joke of it. Right. Yeah. Okay. They must have been, you know, really scratching their heads when Painkiller came out. Anyway, this is number 18. Sepultura, refuse, resist. Are you familiar with the works of Sepultura? 
very, very limited, and I didn't, I'm not a big fan of what I've heard, I'm afraid. I don't really know very much about them at all. Are they Brazilian? Yes! Yeah. Well, you're ahead of me. I had no idea. I didn't know that. So they are um, thrash, slash death, slash alt, slash groove, slash death, black metal. Um, and the name Sepultura means grave in Portuguese. They hail from Belo Horizonte. I apologize for poor pronunciation, and that's in Brazil. Um, my Portuguese is a bit rusty, so. <laughs> anyway, Sepultura formed in 1984 by the brothers Max and Igor Cavalera. Uh, the track comes from the album Chaos AD, their fifth album. And here's something that you won't uh, have seen coming. The album was recorded in South Wales. Oh, really? At uh, Rockfield Studios and Chepstow Castle. Oh, how random! No, this was loads of people have recorded. Yeah, at Rockfield. There's a documentary that is on my list of must watches about Rockfield. So I think we just need to. I know you'll be sad to do. This, we're just going to go back to the beginning and have a little listen. See if we can hear anything. What a subliminal listen. Jesus. No, you monster. That is the heartbeat of Max's then unborn first son, Zion. Oh, yeah. okay, I feel bad now. He's a Doppler. <laughs> hey, Zion. Um, it's uh, followed by some Afro-Brazilian drumming and um, and basically acknowledged that the later guitar riff was straight up death metal. I think we have talked about Sepultura a couple of times. Maybe in my Kerrang one, like back in Cave for Kerrang. I don't know. Yeah. Turns out, I remember talking about the Cavaliers like as well. No, sorry, I must have turned. <laughs> not my jam. Must have switched off. <laughs> um, the lyrics mention tanks in the streets, confronting police, and uh, and bleeding the plebs. Nice. Um, massacres are a major theme of the whole album, and Max told Kerrang back in uh, 2008. You could call the album Riot Music, and even honoured one of their heroes, Jello Biafra, by asking him to write a song for the album. Um, well, I think they wanted to maybe cover one of his or, or, or work with him on something, but instead he offered them a song called Biotech is Godzilla. His theory being that George Bush had sent a team of scientists to Brazil to test germs and bacteria on humans and then use them as guinea pigs, and the lyrics claim that biotechnology created AIDS. Right. Nice. Anyway, both brothers left the band by 1996. Max's stepson had uh, died in a car accident. So Max left. Um, while they were on tour, they were performing at Castle Donington at the Monsters of Rock gig. Um, anyway, while he was, uh, he was gone, his wife, uh, his stepson's mother, was the band's manager, Gloria Bujnowski. When he returned to the tour after the funeral, the rest of the band said that they wanted to fire... Uh, fire her for giving him preferential treatment and ignoring the rest of them. So Max later said, What I'm going through now is like watching my own son die. I cry every day. I feel hurt, sad, angry. It's like half of me has died. How was she giving him preferential treatment if he wasn't even there? No, just in general. Oh, like right, over okay. the band, that's how they felt. So I think the brother had already left. So anyway, thanks, Sepultura. Yeah. Now you know why Max Cavalera <laughs> had to leave the band. Which I think is fair enough. Like, it's pretty insensitive. Hey, now you're back from that funeral. Can we get you to uh, fire your missus, who's also the mother of that child that just died? Yeah, because, you know, she's pissing us off a bit. Come on, guys. Bit harsh. Bit then harsh. again, they are a, kind of a death metal group, so... 
Are we expecting them to be like little yeah, angels or whatever? Bread and butter, I suppose. <laughs> anyway, should we move on to track 17? This one really surprised me. This this is a, a shocker. Okay, I'm put it on. Does Hannah know her metal from her ass? <laughs> Probably not. I mean, I wouldn't have known it. I'm just going to be completely honest. A lot of these tracks, first time I've ever heard them. It's all right so far. I know. Is it going to go all screamy? Oh, it's good. It's Pantera. Where is it? Cowboys from Hell. What a brilliant title. Hang on, I'm waiting for the vocal. This could be the, uh, the decider. Not Pantera fan. Well, founding members are the Abbott Brothers, Vinnie Paul and Dimebag Daryl. Where are they from? Uh, from Texas. So their dad was um, a country music producer who helped them get off the ground and helped uh, teach them how to play guitar and stuff like that. So he was kind of their hero. I can't imagine what he thought. He was like, really? So this is this is what you're doing, is it? Yeah, okay. Mm, interesting. <laughs> Far cry from the heartbreak of country music. But there you go. I mean, I don't hate it. I'm not going to rush out and listen to all their back catalogue, but... I, I think I'd always thought Pantera was definitely more, you I, know... More sepultury, I Screamy. This is just a bit more metallic-y. <laughs> ACDC, I'm feeling like. Yeah. Classic rock. Yeah, a bit more classic, so I'm, I'm into it. Anyway, tracks taken from the 1990 album of the same name, Cowboys From Hell. Lead singer Phil Anselmo has uh, Cowboys From Hell tattooed on his head. Just in case you're questioning, is he fucking hard as nails? Yes, he fucking is. He's committed to his art. Dimebag Daryl apparently had the same thing on his arm. Um, anyway, Pantera Hale from Arlington, Texas. And they formed in 1981. They started as a glam metal outfit, which I would actually love to hear. Well, that makes sense now. Yeah. Uh, even if you don't know Pantera, you'll recognise the members. Uh, Dimebag Daryl, um, Phil Anselmo, Vinnie Paul, and bassist Rex Brown. Would you like to have a fun fact about Pantera? Yes, I would. The band have received four Grammy nominations. Which well is pretty amazing. amazing. <laughs> I think. Yes. Jolly good boys. Uh, Vince uh, died in 2018 from several heart issues at the age of 54, which is really sad. This is some more news that I'm about to tell you that completely escaped me. His younger brother, Dimebag, who was the guitarist, was murdered by a crazed Pantera fan on stage. Jesus! At a Damage Plan gig, which is the band that the boys set up after Pantera split up. That's yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, what a showstopper. Crazy. And this guy was completely off his rocker. They don't know for sure, but they think he was a massive Pantera fan who's really upset that they'd left the band. He'd been telling people that on the day, you know, like how angry he was about it um, so I think he went in with like a shotgun or something jumped up on stage shot Dimebag Daryl like five times two of them in his in his face so then the manager jumped on stage to kind of help him he got shot and killed Jeez. then a fan jumps up on stage he gets shot and killed then two other people I think it was the like guitar tech got involved and he got shot and anyway so how many people were five killed? in the wow. end and then a, a local policeman who just happened to be like in the area kind of rushed in. He had a shotgun, I think, and literally blew this guy's head off. Like apparently, you know, because people were recording the show, yeah, yeah. you can hear some guy saying, wow, you just shot his head right off. Jesus Christ, wow. Yeah, super sad. So um, there was a nurse in the audience, jumped up on stage, tried to revive 
uh, Daryl, but it was no go and he died in the ambulance on the way. So, Eddie Van Halen personally placed his Bumblebee um, guitar, uh, which is made by Charvel, if anyone's wondering. Um, he placed it personally in Daryl's coffin at the funeral um, because Daryl had called him a couple of months earlier and expressed interest in a limited edition series that um, Eddie Van Halen was going to bring out, apparently. It's called Bumblebee because he would put tape on it. Mm-hmm. Don't know a lot about Eddie Van Halen in terms of his guitars, but apparently... He had these most amazing collection, and one of them was on the back of Daryl's favorite album of all time. So he called and said, "Listen, if you're going to bring some of those guitars out, I would love to be first in line to get one of those." Which Eddie said, "Yeah, I'll definitely let you know." And then, um, so well, you know, the metal crew, um, kings of metal or whatever you want to call mm. them, all turned up for his for his funeral. Eddie placed the guitar um, in the coffin and said. Only an original is good enough for an original. Wow, nice touch. Gives, uh, it's taking death metal quite literally, isn't it? Yeah, but I just... How did I not know this? That's mm, crazy yeah. to me. Anyway. Uh, right, we are going to skip number 16 because it's called Emperor. Uh, I am the Black Wizards. It was terrible. <laughs> really? I'm curious now. <laughs> I couldn't play it and um, I didn't find out very much about Emperor. And I also never heard of them before, so I, I'm just going to skip them because otherwise you could be in okay. for a long night. Do you know what I mean? So I've moved on to um, to uh, this one. Okay. Any idea? It's familiar. You likey so far? Do I know it? I know it, don't I? What is it? I don't know. I didn't. I'll be honest. (laughs) I know about this band. I don't know any of their music, so... This is Megadeth with Hangar 18. Oh, okay. So we have touched on this band before because Dave Mustaine was originally the lead guitarist for Metallica. Um, But he didn't appear technically on any of their albums, even though he had to write some tunes and stuff. So, the band had been uh, recording Kill 'Em All back in 1983 um, when they basically had had enough of Dave and his drinking and drugging. And according to Brian, Brian Slagle of Metal Blade Records, he'd get wasted and become a real crazy person, a raging megalomaniac. And the others just couldn't deal with that. Fair so, enough. imagine getting thrown out of Metallica because you party too hard. <laughs> I yeah, think that does give you an idea of the scale that we're actually talking about. Um, anyway, on tour in New York, uh, well, they kind of gave him another chance. They, 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 they binned him off, then he begged for a second chance, and they were like, okay. Because he's a great guitarist. And they liked him when he wasn't absolutely shit-faced and off his tits. But anyway, um, they were on tour in New York, um, and he, I think he attacked some people, and he was just... And he would do like these crazy pranks on people that were super dangerous and lighting things on fire and just being nuts. Yeah. So they personally, apparently, Lars and um... James. Thank you, your fella James. There <laughs> drove him personally to Port Authority and put him on a greyhound to Los Angeles from New York. <laughs> That's brilliant. Imagine being on a greyhound and finding yourself next to Dave Mustaine. How did they ever think he was going to stay on? I can't believe he did, but he did. He stayed on the bus. Oh, good point. The whole way back. Which must have been days. 
so random. It's like, they must have had some money. I guess he couldn't really be trusted in the air properly, that was it. Brilliant. Anyway, um, while on this extremely long bus ride, um, he wrote, uh, set the world afire and the seeds of Megadeth were sown. However, before Megadeth came together, uh, Dave worked briefly as a telemarketer, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, this is alright, I like this. I might have to start calling myself a Megadeth fan. Let's get some t shirts. <laughs> um, very, something very cool about Megadeth. Uh, Dean Koontz, the horror writer, once wrote the liner notes for a Megadeth album. And after that, Dave put it out to, to Stephen King. You know, if he was ever interested, they'd really be happy to. And did he? He hasn't yet, but then I, 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 then I had to look up who's Stephen King into, and surprisingly, ACDC. <laughs> So maybe he'll do this. Uh, fun fact about Dave Mustaine, which we have mentioned before, but can you remember which pod? The, uh, the fact is, he is a black belt in Taekwondo. Was it in your E for Legends? No. no. It was G for Gross Point Blank because Dave credited that little guy in Gross Point Blank, Benny the Jet Urquidez, who is known in the film as Felix Lapubal. Oh, okay, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, Dave Dave says he saved his life by teaching him Taekwondo. He's coming back. Oh, Shred! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like him. Is that right, guys? Is that right, Metal Guys? Shred! <laughs> I feel like we need Wayne from Wayne's World here, you know? <laughs> he would know all this, wouldn't he? Oh, so would Garth. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, number 14 is Marilyn Manson, The Beautiful People. Oh. And I'm skipping it. Thanks. You're welcome. Number 13 is a band called Deftones. Oh, God, I can't sound Deftones. Okay, great, because I don't have a lot to say about them. Let's give them two. <laughs> no, I don't know what label they're on, but I, I used to be sent all their records to review. For I'll tell you why. And I wrote because them they were bad because I didn't like them. They're signed to Maverick. Uh, yes. Okay. Right, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. It's all Madge's fault, as usual. Yeah. Back in 93, they, they were signed to her. And the uh, the track comes from Around the Fur. Honestly, I couldn't really find very much interesting information about them, so I'm, for, I'm sorry, uh, Deftones fans, but... It, it was a, I, I felt it was not a good track. It was my own summer, in brackets, shove it. It wasn't, it wasn't shove, it, shove your death tones. That's right. So, number 12 is, again, a bit of a sad one here. It's Alice in Chains, Rooster, which we've already done. So please <sighs> see our uh, lovely Alice in Chains pod where we used a fortune teller. Uh, oh, my also. son taught me the new name. Not Cootie Catcher. Uh, chat chatterbox chatterbox oh is it chatterbox yeah I've forgotten that already that's what, that's what the kids literally are calling them these days chatterbox literally the kids mm-hmm. alright so getting close to that top 10 number 11 is system of a down with sugar this is actually a really interesting band was this one down on the um, judgment night uh, soundtrack. Oh, oh were they? Else. I don't know. I can't remember. I really like this band. I've shocked myself 
I just out of hand was like, oh no, I hate that band. Realised I didn't actually know any of their music. I don't know anything about them. Yeah, I'm having those I'm same really feelings in my head at the moment. Like, I, I, I remember thinking I don't like them. Yeah. And then not listening to them at all because I'd already made up my mind. I know, I feel like we've definitely been guilty of, like, lumping a bunch of bands together and just assuming they're, like, exactly the same. These guys uh, are actually Armenian-American. Uh, from Glendale, California. All of the members of the band are either born to Ar- Armenian immigrants themselves or are Armenians by birth. They uh, were formed in 94 from the ashes of their former band, Soil. Uh, the name came from a poem that Darren Malakian, who is guitarist and vocalist, uh, which he wrote called Victim of a Down, but they decided to change it to System to appeal to more people and to be closer to their hero Slayer in the record shop. How cute is that? <laughs> That's so adorable. Uh, No? Okay. Well, let me tell you a fact that you will be proud of. Okay. Rick Rubin eventually signed the band to his American label. Rubin didn't expect much, uh, but personally, he loved the band and even said that they were his favourite band. Ooh. High praise indeed. Uh, He said no one was waiting for an Armenian heavy metal rock band. But um, in June 98, they opened for Slayer, their heroes, and Metallica, their other heroes, and they played on the second stage OzFest. Um, they sound like they should be really be fun, fun live. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so fun fact is in November 98, they appeared on South Park's Chef Aid album. Oh, God. I wish I'd known about them in the 90s. I feel like such a fool. Maybe I should have brought Metal Hammer. Never too late, Lil. All right, well, it is. Unless you've got a time machine. <laughs> I'm not sure they did. Thank me for showing up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, maybe not. Get thee hence. Okay, uh, number nine, I'm afraid we also have to uh, skip because it isn't on Spotify. What is it? It's Slipknot. And oh, okay, that's fine. Sick. Uh, yeah, I wasn't to be honest broken up about that either so and uh, not a lot of information about them either apart from they were from Des Moines Iowa which was a surprise are they the ones that wore the funny masks or is that corn I get Slipknot and corn confused all the time Slipknot do wear masks okay Um, I think they are the exact band that you think they are (laughs) (laughs) and let's leave it there (laughs) and not insult Slipknot fans okay nice uh, number eight, so sad, it's Soundgarden, Black Hole Sun, <sighs> which we're going to skip to. But I will say that the um, the list is actually a top 100 right. metal songs of the 90s. Soundgarden are in it a good few times with Jesus Christ Pose and um, a bunch of great tracks. sacrilege if they weren't. Pearl Jam on the list for a couple of them, Rearview Mirror and Alive, which I was like, mm, is Aww, it? I say that was metal. No, I wouldn't either really, but... Um, Review Mirror, maybe. Mm. It's definitely one of the more heavy ones, which I appreciate. But anyway, moving on, number seven is something we have talked about. Okay, this track is taken from the Downward Spiral album of 94. They, or he, is an industrial rock band from Cleveland. Formed in 1980. Nine Inch Nails. Yeah! Well done, Anna! Score. Didn't like them either. <laughs> it's Nine Inch Nails. Sorry, Matt. I mean, you know what? You know what sprung to mind about this track? I don't Listen. find this one so offensive, actually. But wait for it. Hello, Michael Hutchins. Yes. They're George Michael really? as well, actually. 
Yeah, maybe George Michael's trying to be George Harrison, though, eh? I mean, Ooh. so hot. It's really funky. The uh, the lyrics are filthy, though, Hannah. I'm yeah, no. I've always thought Trent Reznor was just a bit, I don't know, off his yeah, I've actually put in my notes. Trent thinks he's cool. But previously, uh, previous to Nine Inch Nails anyway, he was playing keyboards for a synth pop band in Cleveland called Exotic Birds. <laughs> <laughs> Which made me laugh. I thought it was cute in that. Exotic Birds. <laughs> I tried to, you know I tried to get some of that, but unfortunately. <laughs> That's disappointing. There's, there's nothing going back to, to those days. I so, actually don't mind this track. Neither do I, and I hate myself a bit. <laughs> I wouldn't have thought it was, I wouldn't have classed it as metal, but hell, I mean, what do I know? Nice little bit of funk in it, which mm, I wasn't yeah. really expecting. I wasn't um, listening to them at all in the 90s. And a lot of synth. You know he likes the synth ofs, it's his background. But they were on the, um, oh God, Woody Harrelson, Tiny Glasses, Shaved Head. What's the movie? What? Name that movie. The Cray soundtrack? No, no, no. Natural Born Killers. Oh, okay. I do Were this they? all the time. What's wrong with me? Okay. Yeah, that was my introduction to Nine Inch Nails. And I oh, was I've like, seen the, yeah, it's okay. the soundtrack cast are doing the Crow soundtrack with Colin from We Dig Music. So that oh, would be a yeah, very good episode. That. Yeah, I'm yeah, looking I'm forward, definitely to, definitely looking to, forward that. to listening to that. So the ideas for this, uh, well, for the songs on the entire album, The Downward Spiral, uh, they were born after the 1991 Lollapalooza tour, which we've covered in L is for Lollapalooza. <laughs> so, go back and listen to that if you haven't. And Trent rented the house on CeeLo Drive in LA, which is also known as the Manson Murder House. Ah. Um, so that's where the Manson family murdered Sharon Tate, Rowan Polanski, uh, and obviously, by extension, her seven and a half month old fetus. Mm which is nice. Um, the video is once again directed by Mark Romanek, who we were talking about. Yeah, why were we talking about him? Because he did another video for someone. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to know who, okay. look it up. <laughs> yes, I can tell you it was for the Lenny Kravitz Are You Gonna Go My uh, Way video. There we get nice link. Oh no, it wasn't Lenny Kravitz, was it? It wasn't. It was Levelers. Looking forward to, to figure out how you're going to link the Levelers. I'm sure you are, so am I. <laughs> Um, he also did the Cochise um, video for Soundgarden as well. Anyway, um, it involved controversial imagery including a nude bald woman with a crucifix mask and a monkey tied to a cross, which crucifix mask? surely What's was a crucifix Peter involved. Mask? mask? I guess a mask with a crucifix on it. I don't know. Not very, uh, you know, off the wall these days, is it? Oh no, a mask, <laughs> really. Get out of here. And a diagram of a vulva, which amused me. <laughs> Edgy is funny. <laughs> vulva. Get a new t-shirt coming on. Trends are funny too. Trends are vulva. <laughs> Resin is a vulva. Let's let's make sure everyone knows exactly who we're talking about. Clutch my pearls, Trent. <laughs> anyway, I suppose it was 1994. Whatever. All right. Are you ready? For your next track. I'm not sure, but hit me with it anyway. Yes, you are, because it's Metallica! Whoa! And you're primed for this. <laughs> you're ready. I was listening to Metallica yesterday in the kitchen. The builders came and it's like, oh, oh, Metallica. And I was a bit embarrassed. They're a little bit younger than me. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, just, uh, just, uh. They're like, no, we love Metallica. But, oh, I was going to okay. say, don't say anything. Just do devil horns and be like, <laughs> yeah! 
Well, because before that, I was belting out Fontaine's DC, and they were thinking like, oh, she's cool, she's cool. <laughs> Are you sure that's what <laughs> No. Yeah. As soon as you put Metallica on, they were like, <laughs> now she's cool. <laughs> Excellent. All right, as Hannah knows, this is from Metallica's fifth studio album, commonly known as the Black Album, which isn't really, it's actually called Metallica, but nobody cared because it had a black cover on with some symbols on, so mm-hmm. fuck it. They now call it the Black Album, so I guess that is indeed what it is. And it, this is a good one. So this track was released in February 93. It was the fifth and final single from the album to be released. The whole album was uh, tackled differently, with Bob Rock producing and having the band record all the tracks together rather than in separate locations in the manner that they were used to recording. Apparently they were quite sort of startled by this idea of doing this. They were like, oh yeah, so it's more like jammy, it's got more of a vibe. Mm. Um, However, Rock found working with the band very difficult. A A lot of visions going, I imagine. Yeah, a lot of egos. Yeah, uh, the fact that Lars Ulrich, Kurt Hammett, and Jason Newstead were all divorcing their wives at the time might have Ooh, had. Ooh, yeah. Tension. Yeah, they weren't in the best of moods, apparently. Um, so, fun fact, Hetfield songwriting was inspired for this album by, very surprisingly, I have to say, Bob Dylan, Bob Marley, and John Lennon. <laughs> it's very surprising. Yes. So, the Metallica Blacklist. Have you heard of this? No. It's uh, covers of tracks taken from the Black Oh Elf, gosh, yes, 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 yes. So yeah, I, I had to put one up because actually I loved it. I mean, obviously it's not heavy metal, so my apologies. Actually, I was listening to a podcast where they were going all the way through it. I can't remember what it was. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah I really enjoyed it? it. Anyway, I'm going to put this particular song. This is Sam Fender doing the same song, but different. I was going to say, this is not 90s. Lovely. I do like a bit of Sam Fender. I'm ashamed to say I do too. <laughs> I'm not that ashamed. There's worse. There's worse things to listen to, let's face it. Like, it sounds a bit like... It sounds a bit like hosier here. I know what you're saying. I'm picking up that vibe. Uh-huh. And also, a bit of uh, Jeff Buckley. That little high... The... I, I, I saw Metallica once live. Does that surprise you? Yes, it does. Yeah, it does. Yeah, that Madonna. Yeah. Oh, that was a live, live eight. Live eight. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when that was on, and I was like, "Oh, I'm just down the road in London." Nah, fuck it. <laughs> I don't know why. I was sort of part of me was great. aware that it was going to be this, you know, monumental thing, and I was like, "Ah, I can't be asked going all the way across town." <laughs> Lazy cow. Well, I went from, um, I've probably told you the story before, but I went from Brighton and uh, my mum and dad came as well, and my husband. Um, and it was when the trains, southern trains, you get the fast one would only stop at East Croydon and then Clapham Junction, London Victoria. And if you got the slow one, it would stop everywhere. So, like, we raced to get to the station to get that. And, you know, we got on the train with like a minute to spare. And it was like, oh, Phew, great, we're on the fast train, brilliant, you know, have a have a bit of food before before the, you know, first acts and everything. Then we realised we'd left the tickets at home. So I couldn't just stop off at Preston Park and hop back, no, I had to go all the way to East Corridor and all the way out. So yeah, we Molly. Missed, <laughs> missed half of the acts. But made it for Metallica. You see, I, I must have sense something shit like that was going to happen to me if I tried to take the tube. <laughs> 
All right, well, fun fact about Metallica, even though we're listening to Sam Featherstone, it's easy to talk over. The coiled snake, the, t- the timber rattlesnake, to be exactly precise, on the cover of the album, is taken from the Gadsden flag, a historical American flag with the motto of Don't Step On Me, which was designed by Christopher Gadsden in 1775 during the American Revolution. It is commonly used in American, in America in connection with the idea of liberalism, small government, and maybe sometimes co-opted. It says in Wikipedia, not me, for right-wing popula- populism or quite far right-wing ideology. So why did Metallica pick it? Like to make a statement? Oh, it's like like contra or pro those sentiments? Like fuck you, you know, right. basically. Just don't step on it. me, step back, these are my rights, that kind of thing. I'm not, right. That's how I'm going to view it. Okay. Because I actually do like Metallica. <laughs> we talked about them um, way back. And we did a little metal, and I mentioned the documentary, the 18 months on the road, mm-hmm. which is absolutely yeah, I haven't seen it yet. I need to see so that. entertaining. I can't recommend it enough. It's great. And on the one hand, you think, God, you guys are such dicks, but also they're really kind of funny, and it, it's a good watch. Anyway, fun facts because uh, we already talked about Lars Ulrich being a secret tennis player. I don't actually like what, what Sam Fender's doing to it now. It's grating, yeah. Started off well, but... Mm-mm. Well, I live to serve her. Just for the Metallica <laughs> version. <laughs> Stop currying Thanks, favour with hurting. Metallica. <laughs> um, fun fact is that Lars Ulrich is the richest member of the band. Which surprised me anyway. Oh, His net worth, do you want to guess? In millions. Oof, of... blimey. Uh, I'm no good with money, I don't know. Uh, 15 million. That's my countdown. How much? I don't know. What did you say? 15 million? 350 million. Wow, that's a lot. Um, Apparently he collects art and cars, and that is what bumps him ahead of James Hetfield, um, who is at 300 million and owns property in Maui. What does James collect? He didn't say. Fanny. Property, maybe. (laughs) Um, Which made me think property in Maui, which made me think very better of... How much do you think EV is worth? Bearing in mind, oh, not so much as Lars. property in Hawaii. Um, <laughs> it's more than Hetfield, though. Is it? Is it? Is it? Oh, no, I don't think so. Correct. Because he gives a lot of it away as well, doesn't he? Oh, don't worry. He's uh, still got pots of cash. <laughs> uh, what's he worth? He won't be I going to pay um, 80 million? 100 million. You're pretty oh, close. I wasn't too far off. I okay. know I'm impressed, actually. I thought it was actually worth a bit more. But maybe, as you say, he's a bit more philanthropic. I don't know what Metallica do philanthropically. I should probably have looked that up. But anyway, feel free to <laughs> look into their donating. Uh, okay, number five is It's Bloody Sepultura again with... Oh, wow. Two in the top 20. Roots. Bloody Roots. Which does make me think of... Um, Alan, you know, you know, Alan, Alan, Urban Warrior, no, (laughs) Partridge, yes, oh, (laughs) Roots, bloody Roots, oh well, there is a Metallica all within, all within my hands foundation, bloody Roots because they do give some money away, well you'd hope, Metallica feeds the hungry, Oh, I mean, I suppose they did, the, they did the live eight, didn't it? Oh, Metallica feeds the hunger on every stop of their world tour. So well, they literally. 
Uh, a portion of every ticket sold for Met in Spokane is going directly to Second Harvest, supporting them in their mission to fight hunger and feed hope. Uh, they do various bits and pieces. Oh, oh they're feeding guys. Ukrainian ref- refugees. That was an enemy nice. article from very recently. Okay. Good, good. Good, good. Right. Should we go back to uh, Roots, Bloody Roots? Go Start on. it again for your pleasure. Uh, this one came out in 96. It's taken from the sixth album, Roots. The video, which was directed by Thomas Mignon, I think that's how you pronounce it, won Kerrang's video of the year. Mignon? Doesn't that mean cute? It does. Small little. I've already told you that. Oh, that's sure. Now you're making me listen to them again. Um, what's very cool about the video is that it was filmed in the catacombs of the city of Salvador, where Brazilian slaves were sold in the past, and features traditional capira dancers, timbalada percussionists, percussionists, and Afro-Brazilian people, as well as references to candoble or cadoble which is a religion which involves the veneration of spirits and was developed in Brazil in the 19th century, incorporating aspects of the traditional religions of West Africa and the Roman Catholic form of Christianity. So the album Roots was the last album to feature vocalist and founding member Max Cavalera, which we talked about earlier. He went on to form Soulfly, uh, The Cavalera Conspiracy and Killer Be Killed. Nice. His son Zion, whose heartbeat we heard earlier, is the drummer for Soulfly and a band called Lodi Kong, uh, which is also with his other brother Igor Jr. and his half-brother Richie. And Richie is also in the band In Sight. And it was Richie's brother Dana that died. You can hear that traditional yeah. drums and stuff. It's pretty cool that they're like incorporating their culture into death metal. Yeah, that's cool. Doesn't make me like the song anymore, unfortunately. Well, I think you have to be a certain age of a young man who's very, very angry with the world to fully drive it home to you. Apparently, that's the demograph. Oh, I was very angry with the world in my teens, but Were you I that still angry? didn't like that shit. <laughs> You weren't that angry. <laughs> yeah, apparently the demographic something like 16 to 24 young male. Right, okay. That's who this appeals to. Them. <laughs> um, I'm really sad about the next one that I've got to skip because it is the glorious killing in the name. Rage Against the Machine. Been but we've already that. covered that in the K-pod in the first... Yeah, yeah, I think it was the first one, yeah. So gutted. And I still haven't gotten around to, to doing that album, which I absolutely will because I fucking love it. But anyway... I'm going to move on to number three. This is a band, honestly, I'd never even heard of before, so I'm going to put it on and see if you know who they are. Doubtful. <laughs> Certainly feeling the flavour here. Whoever picked these sounds like, like something else. That sounds a bit metallic, really. Yeah. Right? Anyway, it's not. <laughs> it's Machine Head with oh, okay. Davidian. Don't know him. I don't know. Is it Machine Head, Megadeth? I don't know, they all kind of, yeah, similar names. You I just them? put them all in the same. I've heard of Machine Head, yeah. But, like, I mean, you could tell me this was Megadeth or, I don't know, Pantera or, like, I would totally believe you, though. Yeah, they were all in the same basket that I yeah. decided think, I didn't like and didn't listen to. Do you think they called themselves Machine Head so they could be closer to Metallica in the record store? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and Megadeth. Just makes it easier, isn't it? Everyone's flicking through, like, all the ends, good, taken care yeah. of, sorted. Um, okay, with music described as face-melting, you know you're in for a heavy treat. <laughs> and yes, 
I feel that face melt. But yeah, those drums. <laughs> That's exhausting. Coming out of Oakland in uh, California in 1991, General Rob Flynn is the only remaining original member today. All music critic John Frank described the album Burn My Eyes, which it's taken from, from 94, as, I quote, a bone-shattering exercise in brutality. <laughs> mm. Yeah, accurate. And uh, later that year they opened for Slayer, which I'm sure made all their dreams come true, <laughs> as well as everybody else. Okay, you can make it stop now. Okay. I, I, I feel the same. Exactly the same. It's fine. Um, so this brings us to number two. Ooh, it's so exciting. Ooh. You chumping it a bit to know who's two and yes, one. Like who's it possibly be? It is our faves, Pantera again. With Flyman. With Walk. And it, oh, hang on, did I quite like Pantera? Yes. Yeah, okay. We both did. This is good. I can't believe this has made a Pantera fan out of me. I'm so shocked. Not sure I get that far, but we'll see. I'm definitely gonna listen to Pantera after this. Right. Funky again, isn't it? Yeah. I think they've been described, um, well, some of them on this list are like groove metal. Okay, yeah. I think There's I might a bit be of into swagger that. in there, yeah. yeah. So this is taken from the sixth album, which is called This Is Great Vulgar Display of Power. Oh. <laughs> As aces. Uh, the song is about how people treated them after they got back from touring for Cowboys from Hell. Vocalist Finn, Phil Anselmo said, They thought it had gone to our heads, like we've got this rock star thing embroidered across our foreheads. So yeah, it's like saying... <laughs> no, they just got Cowboys from Hell tattooed on the they back did of actually. their heads. Yeah. That might have had something to do with it, Phil. <laughs> I think he's, he's kind of covered it with his grown his hair. So. Um, fun fact, and a surprising fact. This song was featured in the soundtrack for this year's Sonic the Hedgehog 2. <laughs> really? I saw that film as well. I didn't, <laughs> didn't notice. Actually, I do, I do remember thinking it had a really good soundtrack, but I don't remember this one. Yeah. Yeah, so basically it's like, just keep walking, buddy, you know. Um, and then I started thinking, actually, if you were in a metal band and, you, and you're on stage and this is your persona, people must just come up and just punch you in the face. You know, like, oh, I think you're hard, you know what I mean? You know, that kind mm. of male sort of... Or shoot you in the face. Dominant thing. Yeah, but that guy was a genuine crazy person, I feel like. Like, he, he was acting extremely unhinged prior to, prior to that event. Uh, this is the most viewed Pantera video on YouTube. And it got to number 35 in the UK in the singles chart. Yeah, so I've just found out uh, Randy MC are on the Sonic Trout soundtrack. Here comes the hot stepper. Oh, God. Uh, oh, Montel Jordan. <laughs> we have talked about that track, haven't we? You can't be, you can't have Nora a podcast Jones about the 90s without it. talking about we that We should track, do the Sonic, the he- Uptown Funk. That's not 90s, though, is it? No. no. Andy Williams. Yeah, you need to watch Sonic. You'd enjoy the soundtrack. Walk Pantera. That's is about that the only thing I'd enjoy. Yes, that is it. Okay. Ah, that's when Robotnik's building a huge robot out of the police tanks and then he dances to this. All right, well, <gasps> number one. Honestly, I'm loath to turn this off. Truth. Because I feel like this is so much better than this track. Oh no, oh no, I thought you were building up to like an well, amazing euphoric conclusion that no. I was going to love. No, I have to build up because it's number one, but... Oh shit, it's not good. It's not, it's not death tones, is not it? not as good as bloody pantera oh jesus that's my new take on metal anyway nothing's as good as pantera it's not even metallic is it guns and roses 
Sorry. Oh, You're going to be dear. so disappointed. Remember, this is the 90s, so they're definitely focusing really strongly, I feel like, on the very 90s bands. Oh, this is exactly I mean, they, stuck, by metal they stuck in loads of other things, but... What is this? It doesn't start too badly, actually. I had high hopes at the beginning. I was like, oh, okay. I thought I hated corn with oh. a K and a backward R. But I'm pretty sure I still hate them. Sorry. Anyway, this is a track called Blind. Corn are a new metal band from Bakersfield, California. A lot of them coming from California. Um, they incorporated themselves in 93. So, extremely 90s. Blind is the first single from the first album, originally named Corn. Nice one, guys. God. Death, more like. It was released in 94. So, album themes include child abuse, drug abuse, and bullying. Excellent. After recording, the band formed, um, toured with Biohazard and House of Pain, which will take us back to the delightful Judgment Night. Judgment Night soundtrack. <laughs> I keep saying Judgment Day, don't I, every time we talk about it. I can't get my head around it. Um, so this track was actually written while Korn member and singer Jonathan Davis was in a band called Sex Art, um, but they added bits and changed the lyrics. <laughs> it's quite a good name. <laughs> Sex Art. Surprising. Is that like the Karma Sutra? Uh, the song was composed by Dennis Shin, who had nothing but love for the Finnish version, even though he wasn't in Korn himself, saying that Korn's professional production brought it properly to life. Uh, the song's first line is, Are You Ready? Which is now the band trademark, so every time there's a Korn gig, that's how they say, Are You Ready? Which I feel like a no, lot of never will be, thanks. other things as well. <laughs> Uh, Jonathan Davis has stated that he was a sexual abuse victim himself as a child, but never wanted to expand upon it, understandably. Korn okay. was born from the ashes of the band LAPD, uh, who saw Davis's band Sex Art and tried to recruit him. Davis didn't want to join their band, but then he saw a psychic and she changed his mind. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. <laughs> What did the psychic so, say? I predict you're going to change your mind. I, to be fair, he's made loads of money thanks to that fucking psychic, so I hope she went back and took a cut. Yeah, I think, yeah. If he'd stayed with sex art, let's face it, were they ever going to make mainstream? I don't think so. I don't know, I would have checked them out. <laughs> you still can, have it. go for it. Uh, it was also his idea to name the band Corn with K in the back of the door, after the Stephen King short story, Children of the Corn, which they felt like... Did Stephen King spell it with a K? No, no, Good. they had to like sex it up. Sex art it up. Oh, yeah. Like, Nothing turning sexy that R. Backwards R. And putting like, a big K yeah. instead. I've always found it a very strange. Like, why would you call your band corn? And then I thought maybe it was divisive. You know, some people really hate sweet corn. <laughs> <laughs> Salty wheat, corn. Well, wheat has already had wheat. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. Food band. <gasps> That's a pod episode in itself. We should do that. Anyway, guitarist. Head, that's his name. Left the band, not what you think. Uh, left the band after he found God, and changed his rock and roll lifestyle back in uh, 2005. Oh, what does he do now? Well, he's since returned to the band. Oh. <laughs> 2013. He lost God. He actually, no, he actually said, said he bring God with him. He said he went too far, and he actually then became addicted to God. Right. So he's walked it back a bit. You know, he's tempered his yeah. overzealous attitude, and then he managed to rejoin the band in 2000. 13, everybody was happy about that. So. so he's got a healthy relationship with God now. 
Uh, and the band, and hopefully also alcohol and drugs. Lovely. Let's hope he's, he stays that way. Um, another member um, of the band Fieldy is called so because of his big cheeks. Fieldy? Yes. As in fields of corn? Uh, yes. Yeah. But not because of that, okay? So apparently he's got really big cheeks. <laughs> that doesn't explain things. I know. Uh, and then, so people will call him gopher. Right. And they then, eat corn? No. No, stay with me. <laughs> Gopher became Gar for short. That doesn't make any sense. Listen, Go. I'm maybe. just telling Gar. you. Gar became Garfield. Right. Garfield became Fieldy. But, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Obviously. Yes. <laughs> uh, Fieldy's real name is Reginald Quincy Arvizu. Okay, now it totally makes sense. You would definitely want to change your name to Fieldy. Yeah. Uh, Fieldy has also become a born-again Christian. Nice. So I think there's a lesson here. Mm. <laughs> there's definitely plus children of corn is about like well they're kind of aliens but also gathering the church and stuff. I don't know. I think it's all related. Oh, do you think they put subliminal messages in their songs? Well, I think we can now establish that like new metal is a gateway to Christianity to born again Christianity. Yeah. yeah. If you go down that road, you'll eventually find God. So you know. And uh, and thank you to um, to Av for that uh, metalhead extra info, which I found difficult to find. So I appreciate that. Thank you very much. <laughs> and uh, and that's it. There you go. Brilliant. So you probably want to know how I'm linking Metal Hammer's top twenty nineties metal tracks to the Levelers. Yeah, to the Levelers and Leveling the Land. Well, Corn. so interesting. Corn. No. <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> It's more circuitous if you can even imagine that. Yeah, so uh, you'll be glad to know this is all about Einsturzender Neubauten. Ooh, you're going to play me some more? Which, as you remember, is Jeremy Leveller's lovely tattoo. Yes, yes, yes. Has, which was the German band with the jackhammers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, this is a proper reach. You're going to like this. <laughs> okay, they are playing in Cologne on the 17th of June. Let's go! <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> and I found out this information where? The Metalhammer.de. Yeah. Oh, hang on. Who are playing? Einstein does. Yes. What's that got to do with Levelers? Oh, because it's. Oh, it's just, mm-hmm. right, okay. I told you it's security. It's okay. It's not a great one, but I mean, how the hell am I supposed to link Judas Priest to the fucking Levelers? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, 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 like... I did do a quick Google, the le- Levelers and Corn, and it came up with the Levelers playing at Bedford Corn Exchange. <laughs> Spelt correctly. <laughs> With a Z. Interesting. In interesting. Um, okay, okay. Yeah, no, that was always going to be difficult. Indeed, indeed. But there you go. There's your uh, Metal 101. Well, thank you very much for that. That was... Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Unexpected and uh, revelatory. Yes. And uh, I think I neglected to tell you that um, Teen Smells Like Teen Spirit is actually on that list as well. Oh, right, okay. Not in the top 20. Actually, I thought it was number 10. Maybe I just neglected to point that out. (laughs) But, I mean, is it metal? Mm, Well, I guess to some people, you you, you might think that it was. Well, you can find us. I'm so sorry. It was was number number 10. What? Teen Spirit was at number 10? Yeah. You didn't mention it. Well, we, we played it. So I did. I forgot. It was. It was right at the bottom. It was my poor note taking. Unfortunately, it just got brutally neglected at the very bottom of the page. Sorry about that. Right. You can find us at Society Owes Me a Gen X podcast uh, on Instagram and on Facebook. We are Soma GXP on Twitter. You can leave us a voicemail at Anchor. 
FM. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And if you've got any suggestions for what you would like us to cover, we are... We're not, we're not quite run out of ideas yet, but we are definitely <laughs> open to suggestions. Yes, and also suggest our podcast to a friend if you like it, you know. Yes. That, that would be cool. Yes. You could do a review or tell people or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Right. Until next time. It's, uh, bye for now. <laughs> See ya. Ah!